God. We love you, God. Change us, God. Change us, God. Set a fire in our soul. Tongues of fire, just like on the early church, God. Lord, quicken us, God. Lord, let us die to us and live to you, God. Let us, let the rest of our, let us tithe our life. We want to pass a plate and put money in. Let us tithe the rest of our lives to you right now. Let us tithe the remaining parts of our lives, God. We've lived our whole lives for us, for our children, for their sports, for, 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 for our bank accounts, for our jobs. How about let's tithe, God, of the rest of our lives to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, that you get the rest of it. That you get the remaining part of it, God. From here on out, I'm a 50-year-old man, God, that you get the, the, the rest of whatever I have left, God. It belongs to you, all of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all the church said amen. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah. I want to continue. I want to keep going in uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, Battled, I got another message that I, I'm bad about starting a series and then wanting to dart off of it immediately, man. I've got a, uh, I may mingle part of it in through this one. I can't, might not can help myself. I, I'm trying my best. But uh, anyway, uh, back to the book of Revelation today. If you got your books, open up uh, Bibles, open up to Revelation 1. Last week we, uh, we started and we started in the book of Revelation and we got the first three chapters and we talked about we talked about uh, kind of uh, we are going to step back and take a, a big picture. We talked about how if you've got a puzzle uh, box or if you've got a puzzle that you're going to build a, a big old jigsaw puzzle, if you're like me, I am terrible. I struggle with uh, putting those things together, playing complicated games, um, that sort of thing. And so I have to look at the picture on the box to get the big picture in order to know, does this piece go there? Is that going to kind of where the colors are? If they're going to go in there. And that's kind of what we, we want to do with the book of Revelation because I think sometimes we get hunkered down so much on the details that we, that, that we, we miss the big picture of what it is. And I think if you can understand the big picture, then you might can zero in on a lot of the details and, 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 and get into that as well, which is so vital and so important. And so last week, we, we, we kind of showed you a picture of a, a painting, a Monet painting, an Impressionist painting, and we zoomed in real close, and you couldn't tell what it was, just brush strokes and beautiful colors. But when you pulled back and saw the big picture, it was a huge uh, poplar trees in a field and, and a beautiful painting. And so that's kind of what we're doing. We're going to step back. Well, last week, we, we didn't step back too much. We, we, we went to the box top, and we saw the verse first three verses of Revelation uh, in that chapter because it kind of sets this whole stage. And uh, I'll read those real quick. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent it and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ to all the things he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. That's what we looked at last week. We looked at how the Gospels revealed Jesus as the Messiah coming in the flesh 
This humble servant that came, lived as a man perfectly for 33 years, died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead. But now the revelation of Jesus Christ is unveiling and revealing the apocalypse to us now that he is not just a suffering servant this time, but now because he's gone to the Father, God has highly exalted him, given him a name above all every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, under heaven, on the earth, and underneath the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the revelation is being pulled back so that we can see now, not only uh, God, what he, who He is and what He looks like, this Christ, this Messiah, what, he's, what God has bestowed on Him, but now He's King, He's Lord, but now also we catch a glimpse into the courts of heaven and we get to see the plan and the purposes from here on out on the earth in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to see the rest of God's plan and it's fantastic and it's amazing we open up and see the majesty and glory and the victory of Almighty God. And so this book can be confusing, as I said, if we don't kind of step back and get the big picture. Because often what do we get with Revelation? We get some guy up here with these big graphs and charts and man they're just like ah they're mind-blowing I mean they're just charts of this and pictures here and pointing here and arrows there and you leave there sometimes more confused than you actually when you when you came and had read it for yourself and so but when you pull yourself back this book becomes beautiful it becomes glorious. It becomes radiant. It becomes absolutely amazing. And what we find out is at the center of this book, at the center of this revelation, is Jesus himself. God is giving a revelation to his son, Jesus. And his son then in turn is sharing it with his servants. And we said they're bond servants. They've decided, hey, I could be free. I don't have to follow you, but I choose to follow you out of love and respect. And I give my life to you willingly. And they become his bond servants. And we said the nature of this is an apocalypse. And we said uh, the word apocalypse is often misused in our society. And we said it really just means ultimately to uncover or to reveal the revelation of Jesus Christ. To uncover and reveal. Hey, you think we revealed him as a baby and we said that word apocalypse is actually used where Simeon saw him in Luke in the Old Testament, the Spirit uncovered the Messiah. This is the Messiah. Now we see him, this lowly suffering servant. Well, God now says, now that he's done the work, now that I've received everything, let me uncover another aspect of it that's going to blow your mind. He is King of kings and he's Lord of lords. This is what I've done for my suffering servant. He is almighty. He is awesome. He is the creator of, of, of heaven and earth. He is everything. And so what he does is he pulls back and and, and he says, so it's sent from the Father to the Son, sent to the servants. And look, it's not meant to be scary. It's meant to be a blessing. There's all kind of blessing in this book for you. Blessed is the one who hears it, who reads it, the one who obeys it. Blessed are you. And so he's uncovering something that's to be a blessing to all those servants who know him and can hear. And so he's basically uncovering and revealing to us that God is in control. 
God is in control. And that's what he's wanting to show John. That's what he's wanting to show the church. That's what he's wanting to show the people on the earth at this time. And that's what he's wanting to show us. So today what we're going to do is we're going to zero in on the rest of this chapter. And what we're going to find out when we continue to look at the, the, the box top of the puzzle to kind of show you the picture is today we're going to zero in on Jesus. On Jesus, because that's what he does. That's the rest of this chapter of exactly what he does. He, he wants to give you a grand picture of Jesus. He's going to show you a big picture. And I'm going to tell you what, in the Western world, in my life, I can tell we have a very small Jesus. Because I can tell by the way we worship. I can tell by the way we come to church. I can tell by way, the way we slouch towards Gomorrah. I can tell by our sin that we don't really have a great big picture of Jesus. So I'm glad we're going through this book because I want my picture of Jesus to be enlarged and to see him as he really is. Amen. Hallelujah. About five of you want to join me. So let's go. The seven hooks of Revelation, the box top. So this is what we're kind of looking at. The nature of the book we said was an apocalypse. We said the central idea is Jesus Christ. We said the source is the father. The recipient's are, uh, uh, are the son and his servants. The messengers are the angels or angelos, messengers. The prophecy is the expectation of change and the promise is the blessing. God is going to bless those who hear it. Now I remember one time in our life and I remember several times of being absolutely overwhelmed at times in my life. I mean, overwhelmed with big things, but one in particular, and I did this with both sons uh, at certain times. Cole one time broke his arm and, and obviously was very uh, upset, very scared. You're always scared. Is it going to be in the growth plate? What's going on? He's playing football. And it was, a, it was a pretty good break. And I remember having to go in there and them having to set the bone and all that kind of thing. And, and, and he was like, a, uh, I'm crying and all scared. And he's like a rock, you know, but, but it was a scary time. But a time before that when we were just becoming parents for the first time was a time when one day I went to an Alabama game and I left that day and Caleb had been sick, really sick. One of the first times he really got to a bad place of being sick. And he was, he was just like, really when I left, it was almost like, should I go or should I not go? And Marcy said, well, just go ahead. I was going with a friend and I didn't do things like that that often. And so it was a minister friend. And I went with this, this person, but Caleb was kind of deathly. I mean, he was uh, not deathly, but he was uh, feverish and really, really weak and all of that. So I go and when I come back home that night, we, 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 I don't remember if we went to bed and woke up, but somehow we woke up and, and, and there, was, uh, there, uh, there was things going on. There was blood in the stool to kind of get graphic with you and, and it was in his diaper and, and, it was, and we as young parents are absolutely freaking out. What is going on with our baby? What is wrong with our child? I mean, we are scared to death. When blood comes out of places it's not supposed to come in a baby, you're like thinking, is he dying? What is going on? So we grab him up. We rush him to the hospital. And, and we're living for the Lord now. We've given our lives to God. We're living for God. So you're thinking, what, what is going on here, God? I've given you my life. I'm living for you. Why is my son? You know, all those things that we start thinking, I'm praying. Surely you're just going to wave a magic wand and you're just going to heal 
heal him right here before and all that. And 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 so we get to the hospital, and 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 unbeknownst to us, we're we're praying all these things, and it feels so out of control. Feels like what is going to happen? What you know, God, are you even there? What in the world is going on in our world? All my circumstances are just crashing in around us. Are we going to lose our child? What's going to happen? Is something now going to be that he's got a problem for the rest of his life? And 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 unbeknownst to us, on that Sunday, I think it was when we went into that hospital that morning, and uh, we're two terrified parents as they take our little boy out of our arms and take him through those doors and go into into uh, places where you don't want your kids to have to go. And we're just sitting there terrified and seeking the Lord. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's all feeling so alone, so scary. What's going on in our world? Where are you, God? And 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 later on, you can go back and connect the dots and see the pieces of how God, he had this thing that uh, into secession where your colon telescopes into itself and very, not a whole lot of that going on. And, and but, but just so happens Children's Hospital on this so day just so happens to have the surgeon who's one of the best in the world that does that. They wheel him back there. They do the surgery. A few days later, our little boy's at home and everything's okay. Right? Amazing. Amazing. And, 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 and see, God sometimes, though, in the midst of these times, rather than removing the circumstances, sometimes God chooses to show you how big He is. Sometimes He says, I'm not going to take you out of the circumstance, Brad. You have a wrong perspective. You can't see things clearly. You're, you're sitting here worried and seeing your mountain of problem, and you can't see me. You can't see me that I could in one second say the word and your son would be healed. Or I can do whatever I want to do because I'm God. I'm bigger than your problems. I'm bigger than your circumstances. I'm bigger than everything. But sometimes I've got to leave you in this place so that you can come back to a place of understanding and having revealed to you that I am God and I am in control. And so God starts to show us himself and not our problems. That he's bigger than our problems. And, and our problems are so big because we don't see how big Jesus is. And sometimes he wants us to see how big he is. And I can see John in this passage sitting on the island called Patmos. And he's struggling with a lot of different things at this particular moment. He's asking questions like, God, where are you? Where are you? I leaned on your breast. Hey, remember me? Everybody else ran? Remember Beloved John, the one you love, I was there. You remember I was there at the cross. I took care of mama. You know, I was there, Jesus. We're tight. You're, the one you love is right here. What's going on? What's going on? What is happening? I'm on an island. I'm on the island called my killing, Patmos. I'm here at a mining camp where you got to pick rocks up and do all of these things. And now I find myself, where are you, God? What is going on? And you would expect God to come down and just say, oh, sorry, John, my bad. I'm, buddy, I'm, I'm sorry. I meant to, uh, you know, but God doesn't do that. God begins to say, I'm going to do something else before I comfort you, John. I'm going to allow you to see me. Before I comfort you, I'm going to let you see something. I'm going to show you me. I'm going to reveal myself to you. And look at verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. And start reading it with me. It says, I, John, 
your brother and partner in tribulation and in the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. We're having a hard time with that right now. People are giving up on, the, uh, on God. They're losing their faith. Patient endurance. It's going to take patient endurance from here on out to finish the race. It's going to take patient endurance from here on. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's going to get difficult and you're going to have to pray for God to give you patient endurance. That's how you get through this journey. That's how you enter into the kingdom is through that. And so he said, I, John, I, I was in tribulation and the kingdom of the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of what? Because he broke, stole something? No, he's there because of the word of God. And the testimony. In other words, I went preaching God's word and telling people about God, and I got arrested for it. It's coming. It's coming. On account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book, send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. These are real churches. John was the overseer of these churches. Go to the next slide and you'll see where they were. You'll see the order that they're written in that he's to take these letters to. It's like a postal route and they're in perfect order. Go to Ephesus, go to Smyrna, go up to Pergamum, come down to Thyatira, come to Sardis, come to Philadelphia and come to Laodicea with this message. I want you to go. Go to the next slide. You see, Patmos was just right there. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. His hairs of his head were white, like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Go to the next verse. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I'm the living one, and I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those things that are, those things that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Whoa, a lot. A lot in there. A lot of stuff to unpack there. John is a guy in the midst of tragedy where he's living. He is in the midst of tragedy. In fact, the apostles are all gone. They're dead. They're dead at this time. That's why John's world is turned upside down. They're now, we, we are going after you. We got a hit on you, apostles. And now we're coming for the church. We're sending a word to the, through them. Domitian is now uh, coming into play, and he's a bad dude, folks. He is an emperor that has decided, I'm God. Call me Lord and call me God. 
And he is, he is an egotistical maniac like our politicians are becoming today. And, and he's like, I'm, I'm setting myself up as God. And all of a sudden, he, he, is, he is there. He's persecuting anyone who, who doesn't bow down to him, who doesn't pledge allegiance to him. The, 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 it's fine if you're a Christian, but don't, don't, but don't say you're exclusive to Jesus Christ. And see, that's what it's about today, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's fine, young people, if you say to all your friends and all your people and your teachers and everywhere else, Jesus is one of many gods. But when you say he is the only God, the true God, and every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess, they lose their ever-loving minds. And so John's friends were dying. John is the overseer of seven churches and five of them aren't doing so hot. I mean, how does John feel as an overseer right now about himself? Probably like sometimes I feel in the Western world and in the churches today where I see so many people leaving and not living for the world and sinning and all these things. And you're thinking, man, I'm not too great of a pastor. Right? I mean, John is sitting there and his friends have died. His, his, his churches have, have, have all kind of things going on inside of them. Five of these seven that are on this island that he's an overseer of. And now he finds himself, he's preached the word of God and been faithful and obedient to Jesus. And he finds himself on an island prison called Patmos. And he's there because he was proclaiming the word of God uh, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Look at it again in verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, in the kingdom, and the patient endurance that is, that is in Jesus, I was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, he went about through these provinces and through these places proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. The government didn't like him. They shut him down. They, 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 they took him and they exiled him to an island. And he had every reason to be on this island depressed. He had every reason to be sitting here. He had seen 25 years earlier Jerusalem destroyed. The beloved city of God in A.D. He had seen, watched these things take place. Now he's there years later and he's gone and seen all of this going on in the earth. And he's probably wondering, Jesus, what in the world is going on? I was your man. I, I'm a preacher. I, I was faithful. And now what is my friends are dead, the church is a mess, and, and the governments are raging. I'm in prison. What is going on? Kind of like John the Baptist when he winds up in prison and says, Hey, go ask him. <laughs> I'm confused, man. Is that the Messiah? And, and, and so John is now sitting on different John, but John is now sitting there on this island and he's thinking, God, where are you? He's now sitting in the cave looking out at the Aegean Sea. He has been overseer of these seven churches that, 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 that we're seeing here. Ephesus, the Bible says, we're going to learn next week or in a couple of weeks that they lost their first love. So he's got one of his churches that he's responsible for was a great church at one time. They've lost their love. They're in, they're in jeopardy of losing 
losing their candlestick and their testimony, which is their testimony in this part of the world and in the world in general. Pergamos is full and caught up in idolatry at this moment. Thyatira is compromised from within. Paganism has come into this church. Sardis is almost dead. I hope you can strengthen what's left and remain. And then Laodicean is so nauseating that Jesus says, I want to puke you out of my mouth. That's the churches John oversees. And he's probably thinking, everything is falling apart. The message I was going to preach to you that I think you need to hear soon is when old hope dies. Let me see what it was. New hope when old hope is dead. And see, everybody's hoping that COVID caused us to go into this thing where we're hoping the world will return to normal. And that seems to be all we can live is old hope. And old hope, I've got news for you. The old hope, it, it's dead. And, and, and the example that I'm going to use when I open that up to you is King Uzziah. In the year when King Uzziah died, all hope for that nation died. And that's kind of what's happened. And folks, I'm going to tell you in the future who the new hope is. And I'll give you in a little bit of a secret. It's us. It's us. It's us saying, here I am, send me. That's why we're talking about our church going out of these walls and being ambassadors. The new hope is us. It's us taking the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ because that nation did not return to the way it was. And i got news for you. America, it's not going to return to its former glory. And, and, and so, so John is sitting there and he's looking at these things and everything is falling apart. And he's going, what is happening? And at his lowest point, God pulls back the blinders and he shows him himself in all of his glory, and he shows him heaven. And, and, and what John sees is mind-boggling. It's absolutely amazing what he sees. He can barely understand it. He begins to use words when you read the book of Revelation all the time like this, as or like. It was, I saw it and it was as this. I saw it and it was like this. Because it's like things he's never seen before. He can't even, he can't even write it and cause you to understand it. It's just so mind-boggling what he's seeing. And John is asking, is there any future? And God is saying, are you kidding me? John, let me pull this back. You've got a wrong perspective. Brad, you've got a wrong perspective. You, you're looking at your circumstances. You're looking at your problems. You're looking at your son. You're looking at the doctors and whether they can or can't. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And that's what he's trying to get John to focus on. I know the world looks out of control. I know your people are dead. I know the church is being ransacked. I know it appears the church has some issues and problems. But I died for the church. I'm here. I'm in control. And I'm, I'm doing something, John. Look up here. And look what he says in verse 7. He says, he says John is saying, I thought you were going to establish the kingdom. He says, oh, oh, you thought I'm already in the process of coming. Behold, he is coming. 
He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. John, I'm already in the process of coming. Things have already been set into motion. I'm not coming as a humble baby this time. No, I am coming not as the suffering servant. No, John, I'm coming in the clouds and I'm coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you not understand? And John's hard-headed like me that day in the hospital room. That's fine, God, but I'm on this stupid rock right now. What good does that do for me? And everything might seem out of control, and everything might, be, might seem that way, but God's saying, no, if you'll look right here, you'll see that everything is being put in place. Everything is being put in place. And I'm forming a people for myself. I'm redeeming the world, redeeming mankind. And John sits there, the Bible says, on this ordinary day. Well, it's kind of ordinary. It's the Lord's Day. It's Sunday. And, and in Revelation 1.10, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And I heard behind me a loud voice. Not the Sabbath day, the Lord's Day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. And, and, and note what it says. I was in the Spirit. In the Spirit. And that, that what he's saying, he's saying, this is going to go way beyond your senses, John. This is going to go way beyond touch, taste, smell. Here, this is about to blow your mind, John. In the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. He's saying, I, to get a glimpse of what he's saying, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be far beyond the natural. And, and, and you're seeing a chaotic world in the natural, but I'm about to take you somewhere that's far beyond the natural, far beyond your taste touch, smell, your senses. It's going to about blow your mind where I'm fixing to go and take you. I'm about to, to, to take back and reveal something to you of me and of heaven. And you're going to see you ain't got nothing to worry about. Your world's chaotic. Let me show you what's really going on. I'm enthroned. And there are angels bowing down to me constantly. There are angels going and doing my bidding. They are going here and they are going there and they are doing that. And with six wings they fly and with six wings they cover their face and they cry out day and night, holy, 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 holy. Your world is chaotic, but look at this world. Look where I am. I'm on the throne, John, and there's no one above me, none beside me. God Almighty, the great I I am. Oh, you'll see it one day. Oh, hurry up. The mountains shake before me. The demons run and flee. Quit picking everything apart with your little petty thing and find that song and say, dear God, I can worship in the red book. I can worship with that song. If it's speaking about God, the mountains quake before me. The demon run and flee. My God, I can say, Jesus, that's you. Oh, victory in Jesus, that's you. And so the curtains are being pulled back. You're missing the blessing. I don't like that song. Well, that's on you. And God's not too happy with that. In the Spirit. John is in the Spirit. And the curtains are being pulled back. 
And he says, this is going to take you beyond your senses. You're going to get a glimpse into the realm that, that, that we never hardly get to see. You're going to see the vision is so clear. And John, the Bible says in verse 10, he says, behind me was a loud trumpet. Now, God, when he wants to do something big in the Bible, he usually announces it with a trumpet. For instance, when he came with the law, he announced it with a trumpet. For instance, when it was Jubilee, he announced it with a trumpet. When he wanted to say something and proclaim something, he announced it with a trumpet. When he called the people to the temple, he, had, he called them with the trumpet. When he comes again, there's going to be the blast of a trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the air in the clouds to be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's going to be a trumpet that He raises the dead with. And God is about to announce something right here. In, the, in this book, we see trumpets blasted in chapter 1, in chapter 5, in chapter 6, in chapter 8, in chapter 11, in chapter 12, in chapter 14, in chapter 16, in chapter 19. Anytime that God's about to make an announcement to His people, you see a trumpet appear. And God's about to announce something right here. He said, but I heard this voice. He said, it wasn't a trumpet, but it was like a trumpet. And I found out it was the voice of the risen Savior announcing something. Look at verse 11. Write what you see. Here's what he's announcing. He wants something announced to us. I wish God would speak to me. Perk up. He's speaking right now. He's blowing a trumpet and he's announcing to you right now. Through John, through the messengers, in the pulpits of these churches. He's saying, write this. Write this and herald it out of the pulpit. Verse 11. Write what you see in a book. Send it to the seven churches. And again, they're in this perfect postal order of how he wants the letter delivered. So, so this revelation is coming from God to Jesus, to an angel, to John, to the pastors or it's debatable angels of the churches. To read this book aloud. And anyone who hears it, anyone who listens to it, anyone who obeys it will be blessed. And God says, John, I know you're a little distraught down there. I'm about to give you a revelation and an unveiling of what is really going on. It's beyond your physical senses. Let me show you me. I'm in control. And I'm big. And I'm powerful. And I got everything. I got sick babies. I, I, I've got deaths. I, I've, got, I, I've, I've got triumphs. I got, I, I'm, I'm bigger than all those things. And let me show you heaven a little bit. And now my voice is going to speak something, John. So get your pen out and get ready because I want you to write this down. This is for my churches. To hear. And here's what he does. He gives him the postal route that he's going to go. He's going to get on his little mail truck. 
He's going to hand it to the messengers of these days. They're going to get in their little mail truck and go back to these postal routes and deliver it. Probably just one copy in this day, right? So they got to take it from place to place to place around the horn. And he gives it to the messengers of these churches. And John turns around. And when John turns around, the Bible says, he sees these seven golden lampstands. That's the first thing John sees. Listen, you said, we said he's probably frustrated with these churches. But the first thing he turns and sees, notice it says golden. These are golden lampstands. These are, they're golden. They're, they're, they're pure. They're, 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 they're special. And he turns and sees these golden lampstands. He sees these, and, 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 and it's actual churches that he has overseen, representing those churches specifically, but representing the church of Jesus Christ as a whole throughout the ages. And, 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 and what they would do is they'd take a, 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 those, those lights and wicks up there, and they would place them on a lampstand because you don't place a lamp. Even your room lamp in the room has a stick or a stand that it stands on so it will light the room. We don't put it down on the floor. We put it on a stand so that they will light the room. So in the temple, we have this lamp stand that is there, seven bulbs on top. It's put on a stand and it's there to light the temple so everybody can see it. And that's, he'll tell us later, this is the church. This is the church. This is the churches. And it's full of my light. It's full of my oil. Let, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your heavenly father I am the light of the world but now I'm in heaven so you are to be the light of the world and he calls them golden I've had I've had a kind of negative view of these churches like John this 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 I've got a new revelation just through this message because John your perspective is off and I'm going to help you a little bit I'm going to help you. I'm, I'm, I'm revealing some things to you, showing you some things that I'm in control. And these churches, though flawed, though flawed, still have my life in them. They are precious to me. In fact, back I think in verse 5 or before, he said, I died for them. I died. I shed my blood for this. All these people attacking the church of Jesus Christ, I shed my blood for this. There's still life in them, John. I love them. And guess what? I'm in the middle of them. That's how precious they are to me, John. You may see them as warts and flaws. Yeah, I know you saw Miss Jones down there in Pergamum, and you know, and you're ticked off at her, and you got problems with her, but I love Miss Jones. Warts and all. And I love Thyatara, and I love Sardis, and I'm in the middle of them. I'm in the middle of my churches because i got a plan to redeem my churches. I'm walking in the middle of them and I've got a plan to transform them and to change them and to work among them because they're golden and they're the light of the world and I've got my messengers down in there with my voice and my message proclaiming what I want the world to hear, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, John, you need a little bit of a new perspective and I'm going to show you. Here's the churches that you oversee and I'm in the middle of them. And here's what he says. I saw one like the Son of Man. Now what that has a reference to, if you go back to Daniel 7, you'll know this has a reference to this dude ain't normal. He's the Messiah. 
He is the Messiah. And what we see him is, he, John notices that he is clothed in verse 13. In the midst of the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his waist. Now John instantly sees that robe and he's thinking, King, he is a king. He is a king. And we know in Revelation 1.5 it says that Jesus truly is the firstborn and the ruler of all the kings of the earth. God has bestowed this on him. Get ready, Washington. Get ready, my Moscow, get ready, UN. Get ready, every, everybody over the face of the earth. You got one over you. His name is Jesus, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is King of Kings. Amen. And so John first sees this exalted king in the midst of them. But then I love this because that golden sash does something. He says, Yeah, but. Mm. He knows his Bible and that in his Old Testament especially. And that takes him back to, 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 to a lot of places in the Old Testament when he sees that gold stash in the middle of these lampstands. He says, but he's priest too. Not only just any priest, he's high priest. That means he's high priest. And that may, not, that, that may not ding your chime, but it dings mine because I know what the high priest was all about. And especially if you go to Hebrews and start reading about the high priest in Hebrews, that tells me that there's one walking in the midst of the church. He's got this golden sash. He is a high priest and he sympathizes with us is what the Bible says there. Yeah, we got warts. Yeah, there's some paganism going on over there. But I'm walking in the midst of them doing something about it because I'm changing and transforming them into my glorious likeness and image. I'm going to do something about them, John. I'm king. I'm the exalted king. I'm the Messiah and I am their high priest. I ever live to make intercession for them. And now they can come to my throne of grace anytime they need. <laughs> they can come before God. And they can ask for the, what they will. He is the gentle high priest among his churches. He loves and cares for them. He died for them. Look at what he, John goes on else to see in this. Where now his, he's lifted out of that hospital room. Seeing his son. Those physical worries. Now he's got senses and things. I'm in the spirit man. On the Lord's day. And I'm seeing God the exalted one. I'm seeing heaven. I'm seeing the churches. I'm seeing this high priest and king. In the middle of the churches. And man. Check this out. He is transforming his church and he's got hair white as wool. When you see white in the Bible, it is a sign and an idea of purity. And what he is saying is the one who is pure is transforming the church. He is transforming them. Look at his eyes, John. Look at his eyes. They are a flame of fire. Fire. You don't think he can see Miss Jones down in Pergamum? You don't think he can see her slandering? You don't think he can see the gossip? You don't think he can see those things? He's got eyes like x-ray eyes. He can see exactly what is going on. And he's in the middle of it, working in the midst of his church. Amen? John says, I see warts. God says, I can see right through all of it. He's bringing purity here. He's bringing transformation there. John looks at his feet. 
when he turns and he sees his eyes, he sees, he sees all these things, he sees his feet, and the feet there speak of judgment. But it's not a judgment to cast the church off. It's not to throw them into hell. This judgment is to transform and refine them. I'm going, these feet are here in the middle of this church because I'm here to refine the church. I'm here to work in the midst of the church. I'm here to correct the flaws of the church and be amongst them and do something great, John. You think it's you who has to refine. I'm doing the refining here. And then it says his voice was like the voice of rushing waters. In other words, waters is the word. The word of God is being proclaimed here. The word of God is being proclaimed. And what he's done is God is shouting out to his church. He's delivering his word through his messengers. He says, John, I'm about to announce things. Write it down. Put it in the hand of the messenger of the church. Let him stand up. And like roaring waters coming out of his mouth because he's delivering the word of God. And when men and women get up and they proclaim the word of God, it's like waters rushing forth. It's like the roar of God that is coming forth. The word of God. The voice of God that comes forth forth the voice of God is like many waters it breaks the cedars of Lebanon hallelujah 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 and folks I'm hearing he said take this to the churches and when you begin to read it inside of those churches it's going to come forth like a roar the entrance of his word gives light Hallelujah, it's going to come forth like a roar. And God is roaring to John right here, revealing to John, I got this. I got this. You think it's out of control? I got this. You think the world is winning? I got this. I'm the enthroned one. You think the church is going under the gates of hell, John, are not going to prevail. I died for my church, and she will come through as a bride, not having spot nor wrinkle. I'm refining her, John. I'm walking in the midst of her. I'm I'm bringing judgment to her to take care of these warts. And all of these problems, I got this, John. And no matter what this life brings, Jesus has got it. No matter what it brings. If you find yourself in a hospital with your little baby, Jesus has got it. If you find yourself at the deathbed of mama or daddy, Jesus has got it. If you find yourself at the layoff, Jesus has got it. If you find yourself celebrating victories in life, Jesus has got it. Jesus has got it. And he's saying, John, I've got it. John next sees these golden stars in verse 7. These are the messengers. And what he's saying to John is, I've got people besides you, John. I've got messengers that are going to my churches. And I'm telling you, they're there to help you. And John, John, if they don't preach the right thing, if they're false prophets and false messengers, don't worry. Because i got a sharp sword that comes out of my mouth. And I'll deal with them too, John. Because he says it in other places over here. He says, oh, with the sharp sword of my mouth, I'm going I'm to deal with the false prophets that are there in you. I got it, John. Look up here. And then John notices his face shining in full strength like the sun. Like the brilliance and the radiance of the sun. And here's what he's saying, John. My glory is going to come to my churches And I'm going to show myself off to the world. 
No, and that's why I'm saying, Brookside, why are you not letting your light shine to the world? Why are we in here month after month belly aching about us and focusing on us? And woe is me, and woe is my pain, and woe is this, and I hope we have a good move of God today for me and this and that. Why are we not letting the glory of God come in here and letting the oil of the Spirit come in here and radiating out to this world that we are the light of the world and our God has everything under control. My glory is going to come to my churches and I will show myself to the world, John. Hallelujah. Revelation 1.17 When I saw Him, I fell at His feet as though dead. Now John leaned on his breath, so all you think you're going to bebop, hey buddy, hey buddy. Fell at his feet though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death in Hades. John, I have your life in my hands. What are you worried about? I have your life in my hands. I died for you, John. You are good, so take up the pen and write what I'm telling you to write. You're good, Brookside Church of God, so get up and begin to take the Word of God to the nations of the world. You're good. My life, your life is okay. If you're a follower of me, now go and take what I've given you to go to the world. Amen? Amen. Quit worrying. And that's what we need to do. We need to quit worrying and know that God is in control. And that's what he had to tell me in that room that day. Brad, looking back, I had everything under control. Best surgeon in the world just so happened to be there. Good car to get you there. The right day for it to be on. The right medicine. Everything. I've got this. And here's what I think the church of Brookside and the church in the Western world has forgotten. Me included. Our God is big. Oh, monkeypox. Oh, COVID. Oh, the stock market. Oh, wars. Oh. Our God is big. Our God is big. Our God is huge. Our God is huge. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can stand today here with confidence. But if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot stand here with confidence. But you can remedy that in about a few seconds. And you can be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you can then stand in confidence. But what God's trying to say here in the giant scheme of things. And what's to come in the circumstances tomorrow. Is we are good. We're good. We are good. We are good. And when you see him next, you'll see him in the clouds coming as king of kings and lord of lords. Hallelujah. Father, we love you and we thank you that you are king of kings. And Lord, I think a lot of us 
are not seeing this world from this perspective. In fact, I know we're not. And God, just like you wanted to change John's view when he was in that dreadful place on that Isle of Patmos, in the midst of pandemic and worldwide recession, and the economies of the nations of the world teetering on the brink, and the threat of nuclear war, and wars of rumors of wars at every turn, and unfair and botched elections, and all that we're going through. God, you're wanting to change our perspective. And to pull back the curtains through this book and bless us just like you did, John, with saying, I got everything under control. Look at me. Look at me. Look at heaven. And look at this plan that I have. And Father, just help us to leave here today with that confidence. That the followers of Jesus Christ are good. And that Brad Lindsay can quit worrying about the church of Jesus Christ. Because there's one walking in the midst of her. Refining her. Purifying her. Hair white as wool. Eyes like laser beams. Feet that are, that are able to judge. And change. And correct and point out things and show us things that no pastor or nobody else could know. And God, you're sending this word to your messengers. Write these things. Tell them. Tell them. And God, you want us to, Lord, the, the, the word of God is coming, God. The voice of God comes out of, out of pulpits and places all over the world with a glorious revelation of the King of Kings. And God, let us keep doing that until you come. Lord, I'm thankful that you are already coming. And God, every eye will see you. Hallelujah. Father, if there's one in this room that hasn't made you or confessed you as Lord, Lord, I pray today they would open up their hearts and receive you. Receive you, God. As many as received you, to them you gave power to become the sons of God. Lord, I confess my sin. I confess that I'm not worthy. Like Isaiah, in the year Uzziah died, when everything was going great in the nation under Uzziah. And then he died and everything changed. Old hope died was never going to return. Once he died, things would never go back to the greatness that was there under Uzziah. But a new hope arose. You called one man up into the presence of God and you spoke to him. And you sent him as a prophet to the nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are the hope of the world. We are the light of the world. 
Their hope is not in, 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 in money. Their hope is not in jobs. Their hope is not in education. Lord, their hope is not in being married one day or having children and not being lonely anymore. Their hope is in Jesus Christ, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. Revival will not come unless the church takes this gospel to the world. And so, Father, commission us once again and call us to the, to, to the, to the, to the world once again with this glorious good news, Father. Lord, if there's one here that, Lord, maybe you probe their heart and they wanna, they've got questions, or Lord, they're, maybe they're entertaining the thought of following you, God, let them come and grab me or another Christian in this room and begin to talk to us about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, deal with them and draw them to you in a real relationship, God. And Father, we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.